Chapter Six of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Concerns Gabrielle's secret. Along the cloister they went to the great hall, where Walter's mother advanced to greet her, full of regrets at the girl's inability to attend the dance. She handed her the missing bracelet, saying, "It is such a curious and unusual one, dear, that we wondered to whom it belonged." Brown found it when she was sweeping my boudoir this morning. Take it home to your mother, and suggest that she has a stronger clasp put on it. The girl held the golden snake in her open hand. This was the first time she had ever seen it. A fine example of old Italian workmanship. It was made flexible, with its flat head covered with diamonds, and two bright emeralds for the eyes. The mouth could be opened, and within was a small cavity, where a photo or any tiny object could be concealed. Where her mother had picked it up she could not tell, but Lady Hayburn was always purchasing quaint odds and ends, and, like most giddy women of her class, was extraordinarily fond of fantastic jewelry and ornaments, such as other women did not possess. Several members of the house party at Conacan entered and chatted, all being full of the success of the previous night's entertainment. Lady Murray's husband had, it appeared, left that morning for Edinburgh, to attend a political committee. A little later, Walter succeeded in getting Gabrielle alone again in a small, well-furnished room leading off the library, a room in which she had passed many happy hours with him before he had gone abroad. He had been in London reading for the bar, but had spent a good deal of his time up in Perthshire, or at least all he possibly could. At such times, they were inseparable. But after he had been called, there being no necessity for him to practice, he being heir to the estates, he had gone to India and Japan to broaden his mind, as his father had explained. I wonder, Gabrielle, he said hesitatingly, holding her hand as they stood at the open window, I wonder if you will forgive me if I put a question to you. I, I know I ought not to ask, he stammered, but it is only because I love you so well, dearest, that I ask you to tell me the truth. The truth, echoed the girl, looking at him with some surprise though turning just a trifle paler, he thought, the truth about what? About that man, James Flockhart, was his low, distinct reply. About him? Why, my dear Walter, she laughed, whatever do you want to know about him? You know all that I know. We were agreed long ago that he is not a gentleman, weren't we? Yes, he said. Don't you recollect our talk at your house in London two years ago? Soon after you came back from school? Do you remember what you then told me? She flushed slightly at the recollection. I ought not to have said that, she exclaimed hurriedly. I was only a girl then, and I, well, I didn't know. What you said has never passed my lips, dearest. Only I ask you again today to tell me honestly and frankly whether your opinion of him has in any way changed. I mean, whether you still believe what you then said. She was silent for a few moments. Her lips twitched nervously, and her eyes stared blankly out of the window. No, I repeat, what I said then, she answered in a strange, hoarse voice. And only you yourself suspect the truth? You are the only person to whom I have mentioned it, and I have been filled with regret ever since. I had no right to make the allegation, Walter. I should have kept my secret to myself. There was surely no harm in telling me, dearest, he exclaimed 
still holding her hand and looking fixedly into those clear blue fathomless eyes so very dear to him you know too well that i would never betray you but if he knew if that man ever knew she cried he would avenge himself upon me i know he would but what have you to fear little one he asked surprised at the sudden change in her you know how my mother hates me how they all detest me all except dear old dad who is so terribly helpless misled defrauded and tricked as he daily is by those about him i know darling said the young man i know it all only too well trust in me and bending he kissed her softly upon the lips what was the real the actual truth he wondered was she still his as she had ever been or was she playing him false little did the girl dream of the extent of her lover's knowledge of certain facts which she was hiding from the world vainly believing them to be her own secret little did she dream how very near she was to disaster walter murray had after a frivolous youth developed at the age of six-and-twenty into as sound honest and upright a young man as could be found beyond the border as full of high spirits as of high principles he was in every way worthy the name of the gallant family whose name he bore a murray of conachan both for physical strength and scrupulous honesty while his affection for gabrielle hayburn was that deep all-absorbing devotion which makes men sacrifice themselves for the women they love he was not very demonstrative he never wore his heart upon his sleeve but deep within him was that true affection which caused him to worship her as his idol to him she was peerless among women and her beauty was unequalled her piquant mischievousness amused him as a girl she had always been fond of tantalizing him and did so now yet he knew her fine character how deeply devoted she was to her afflicted father and how full of discomfort was her dull life now that she had exchanged her school for the same roof which covered sir henry's second wife indeed this latter event was the common talk of all who knew the family they sighed and pitied poor sir henry it was all very sad they said but there their sympathy ended during walter's absence abroad something had occurred what that something was he had not yet determined gabrielle was not exactly the same towards him as she used to be his keen sensitiveness told him this instinctively and indeed he had made a discovery that though he did not admit it now had staggered him he stood there at the open window chatting with her but what he said he had no idea his one thought the one question which now possessed him was whether she still loved him or whether the discovery he had made was the actual and painful truth tall and good-looking clean-shaven and essentially easy-going he stood before her with his dark eyes fixed upon her eyes full of devotion for was she not his idol she was telling him of a garden party which her mother had arranged for the following thursday and pressing him to attend it i'm afraid i may have to be in london that day dearest he responded but if i may i'll come over to-morrow and play tennis will you be at home in the afternoon no she declared promptly with a mischievous laugh i shan't i shall be in the glen by the first bridge at four o'clock and shall wait for you there very well i'll be there he laughed but why should we meet in secret like this when everybody knows of our engagement well because i have a reason she replied in a strained voice a strong reason you've grown suddenly shy afraid of chaff it seems 
my mother is i fear not altogether well disposed towards you walter was her quick response dad is very fond of you as you well know but lady heyburn has other views for me i think and is that the only reason you wish to meet me in secret he asked she hesitated became slightly confused and quickly turned the conversation into a different channel a fact which caused him increased doubt and reflection yes something certainly had occurred that was vividly apparent a gulf lay between them again he looked straight into her beautiful face and fell to wondering what could it all mean so true had she been to him so sweet her temperament so high all her ideals that he could not bring himself to believe ill of her he tried to fight down those increasing doubts he tried to put aside the naked truth which had arisen before him since his return to england he loved her yes he loved her and would think no ill of her until he had proof actual and indisputable as far as the eligibility of walter murray was concerned there was no question even lady heyburn could not deny it when she discussed the matter over the teacups with her intimate friends the family of the murrays of conachan claimed a respectable antiquity the original surname of the family was de ballenhard assumed from an estate of that name in the county of forfar sir jocelynus de baldindard or ballenhard who witnessed several charters between twelve o four and twelve twenty five is the first recorded of the name but there is no documentary proof of descent before that time and indeed most of the family papers having been burned in fourteen fifty two little remains of the early history beyond the names and succession of the possessors of ballenhard from about twelve fifty till thirteen fifty which are stated in a charter of david too now preserved in the british museum this charter records the grant made by william de mall to john de ballenhard filio e heredi quandam joannes fili christiani fili joannes de ballenhard of the lands of murray in the county of perthshire and from that period about thirteen fifty the family has borne the name of de murray instead of de ballenhard in fourteen o nine duthoc du murray obtained a charter of the castle of conachan possession of which has been held by the family uninterruptedly ever since except for about thirty years when the lands were under forfeiture on account of the rebellion of seventeen fifteen near creef junction station the lands of glencardine and conachan march together therefore both sir henry heyburn and his friend sir george murray had looked upon an alliance between the two houses as quite within the bounds of probability if the truth were told gabrielle had never looked upon any other man save walter with the slightest thought of affection she loved him with the whole strength of her being during that twelve long months of absence he had been daily in her thoughts and his constant letters she had read and re-read dozens of times she had since she left school met many eligible young men at houses to which her mother had grudgingly taken her young men who had been nice to her flattered her and flirted with her but she had treated them all with coquettish disdain for in the world there was but one man who was her lover and her hero her old friend walter murray at this moment as they were together in that cosy well-furnished room she became seized by a twinge of conscience she knew quite well that she was not treating him as she ought she had not been at all enthusiastic at his return and she had inquired but little about his wanderings indeed she had treated him with a studied indifference as though his life concerned her but little and yet if he only knew the truth she thought 
if he could only see that that cool unresponsive attitude was forced upon her by circumstances if he could only know how quickly her heart throbbed when he was present and how dull and lonely all became when he was absent she loved him ah yes as truly and devotedly as he loved her but between them there had fallen a dark grim shadow one which at all hazards and by every subterfuge she must endeavour to hide she loved him and could therefore never bear to hear his bitter reproaches or to witness his grief he worshipped her would that he did not she thought she must hide her secret from him as she was hiding it from all the world he was speaking she answered him calmly yet mechanically he wondered what strange thoughts were concealed beneath those clear wide-open childlike eyes which he was trying in vain to fathom what would he have thought had he known the terrible truth that she had calmly and after long reflection resolved to court death death by her own hand rather than face the exposure with which she had that previous night had been threatened End of chapter 6